Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. It's actually bizarre, this story, really crazy. A woman who embezzled 537 million from an employer splashed 5 million on gambling in one night. That's according to the court. Uh, Hildegard Hildegard Steenkamp was convicted of stealing 537 million rand from her employer. A witness told the court that Steenkamp spent most of the money to fund a lavish lifestyle. It's what a bizarre story, and we wanted to get a little bit more information about it. Chad Thomas, he is the CEO of IRS Forensic Investigations. No stranger to us here at High FM. Chad, good morning. How are you? Well, and you, Howard? I'm well, thank you. Five hundred. I mean, this is not, this is not stealing the petty cash. It's not chump change. It's money that's been um, obviously misappropriated over a period of time. But what makes this so bizarre is that she actually ticks the boxes of a profile that we used to use about twenty years ago of how to identify a fraudster within a company. And in those days, the profile. And I'll tell you what the similarities were. It was a middle-aged white woman, mm-hmm. either a spinster, widowed, or divorced. Okay. Um, gambling, generally employed in either the creditors department, accounts department, or human resources department. Now, obviously, with the way crimes have changed in South Africa, that profile has changed dramatically over the years. And it's so strange to see such a similar profile like a thro- really emerging like after all these mm. years. Mm. That's actually incredible. Why? Why was that? Was that just simply because they would? That was the profile of somebody who would commit these type of of crimes. It was based on, on studies that had been conducted in terms of convictions, disciplinary hearings, where the companies were most vulnerable and who it was to take the most advantage of those vulnerabilities. Generally speaking, those employees adhered themselves to the organization. They worked very hard. They tended to work after hours. There was a large trust Mm. factor involved. You find that they dealt with creditors, so they created ghost creditors. They dealt with HR, so they created ghost employees. They dealt with accounts. They set up fake accounts that they could funnel monies through. So she fit and ticks a number of those boxes, except the fact that one of her husbands passed away. She recently remarried. And her lifestyle suggests that this was definitely a means to fund everything that she ever desired. She had many overseas trips, expensive clothing, jewelry, and, of course, that incredible gambling habit. 57 million rand in just one casino, 5 million rand in just one Mm, night. mm. And how did she actually do this? How did she manage to embezzle this type of money? She was in a position of trust. She was in the accounts department. And it appears for all intents and purposes that it was the funding of money to non-existent service providers. I mean, it's an incredible uh, – over what period did this tap take place? Quite some time. Um, I don't think they've actually fully quantified the um, the loss. And that is a result of the fact that many companies change systems over the years. We have a case, for example, where there's a branch in Durban, a branch in Cape and a branch in Johannesburg – they had one overall payroll manager, but they had different systems. So what they would do is they would just put everything onto a spreadsheet, send it up to her. They weren't using sophisticated software such as telepayroll, Sage, um, Pastor, etc. And she was able to manipulate the systems. With this particular case that you're speaking about today, over the years you would have seen the accounting systems change. 
and records getting destroyed over the years. So you can never fully quantify a loss if it's over a period of time. And how did they catch her? Um, somebody, somebody took the time to, to look and to see where there was this hole emerging. You must understand companies have become strained and they've had to look at where they can save money, where perhaps there could be issues pertaining to overpayment, uh, where there may be too many staff members and they could cut down. And that's when you discover things such as ghost employees or you, or you discover ghost vendors. So generally speaking, it could have been done either via a whistleblower or through an analysis of the systems to try streamline and save more money, or they found that there was a big hole in the finances and the bottom line was being affected, and they commissioned the forensic investigation. Mm, mm. It's just interesting. It, it's absolutely fascinating. I recall some years ago I was involved in a business where there was some theft. It was actually um, in the Mauritian office. And uh, when I went over there, I was chatting to, you know, I was chatting to the manager there, and I said, "Well, you know, how did you become aware?" And the way in which it, it people, you know, that that this was alerted was the fact that this person was wearing non-fake. T-shirts, so they'd gone. You know, they were always wearing, uh, you know, a luxury, so-called luxury branded items. But all of a sudden, they became real. And other employees around said, "Hold on a minute, what is going on here?" And that was a way in which to uh, to try and understand, you know, to, to to see what was going on there. It, it's it's just incredible. So, what can what should companies be doing uh, to try and avoid this? It's very difficult to avoid fraud at this point in time. We're in an economic slump. People are looking to um, cash in wherever they possibly can. People that generally wouldn't get involved in something illicit are taking chances because they are in desperate need of cash or they have a habit to support. A lot of what's happening is reactive, and that's where you can partly become proactive. Let me explain why. Reactively, an investigation gets commissioned either through an audit firm, a legal firm, a forensic investigator. That report is presented, generally used as evidence during the disciplinary inquiry. The company just wants to get rid of the individual. They don't want the protracted case um, to be registered at SAPS and then to be enrolled at the MPA. They know that the system cannot handle the strain, nor do they want to be going in and out of court on an ongoing basis. So a lot of the times, these matters don't get reported and companies don't have a policy of giving references. So we've seen people bounce from company to company to company committing the same type of fraud. What needs to happen is a zero-tolerance stance. They need to register those criminal cases. They need to make sure those people are prosecuted and they need to send out the circular to staff to show that they have a zero-tolerance stance on this. Because just submitting a report and getting rid of somebody based on a disciplinary it doesn't really do very much to instill a sense of confidence in other employees. In fact, they have the opposite effect. It may give them confidence to mm. actually do something wrong. This company did the right thing. They said, we're going after this woman. We're going to crawl back every rand we possibly can. But I can tell you this. And for every case we see, there's most probably 10 unreported cases of similar value. Mm. Which is so concerning. Uh, Carol asking the question, and it's an interesting one, uh, should the casino not pick this up? Well, it's obviously not their responsibility to, and nor is it, I guess, within their interest. But uh, do, we, do we expect them to? The casinos, unfortunately, play a massive role in money laundering in South Africa by virtue of what they do and how they operate and what their business model is, whether they're doing it um, as, as part of their business model, whether they're doing it inadvertently 
um, is a question that will always be asked. The fact is they've got incredible systems within the casinos. They've got CCTV footage that shows what somebody comes in with and what they leave with. So they can see if they're trying to mingle um, funds in a, in a laundry-type manner. Mm, mm. They can also they, they also keep detailed reports. You can't gamble with cash anymore. You have to gamble via a card. And those reports become available. We've seen it. Uh, we've experienced it. And they're very willing and able to provide those reports, which are are instrumental in being able to convict somebody because you can see funds that were used for purposes not intended. So although the casinos are a massive problem, it's not necessarily their fault. They've been set up as a business. They're there to take money from, from punters. You get people that are criminals that use those casinos for one of two reasons, either because it's a problem for them and they enjoy gambling far too much, or they want to launder funds. Um, I just want to read you three points from Jenny, and I want to just get your view on it. She says, look out for, number one, people who never take leave, um, and number two, someone who's committed a financial crime before because they won't be re- can't really ever be rehabilitated, and number three, people who employ family members uh, within the own, their own the finance department. What do you think? She's spot on, especially with the first one. We found that so many frauds were uncovered when somebody was forced to take leave because companies had a policy that they didn't want somebody to accumulate too much leave that they would ultimately have to pay out mm, at some mm. stage. And when those people were eventually forced to take leave and somebody was put into their position temporarily, bang, fraud was uncovered. Very interesting. That is where we do need to leave it. Uh, fascinating conversation, Chad Thomas. Thank you. As always, it is about to go 8.30. I'm Howard Feldman. This is Your Morning Mayhem. It's 101.9. Hi, fam. Good morning.